You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legends of Runeterra. My name is Mark or the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and with me tonight is my legendary and ever faithful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. Dead Broke Nerd, how you doing tonight, man? Uh, <laughs> doing pretty good. Uh, you know, it's so funny when we record these episodes. 90% of the time, Mark starts with this little intro where he goes, okay, uh, Legends Cast episode and then he pauses and goes, um, we're getting to the point where we're getting to the point where we actually don't know what uh, what episode number we're on. Yeah. I would say that that's a good thing because it means we've done a lot. I think we're on 57. I, I recorded last week's and I record <laughs> I recorded last week's and announced that it is 57 before we started. And then I saved it as 57. And then I went to upload it and realized that it was 56. I, I think today is actually 57. You know what? It's a win either way. We're past the 50 episode mark. We passed that a while ago with literally yeah. no fanfare. Like we didn't even know it was no. 50 when we, it happened. So like we've kind of we actually kind of forgot. So we're just gonna roll on until uh until number 100, and then um or uh you know as long as games don't die uh number 100. I should not bring that curse upon us, but uh, yeah, you better not. We've had that happen once. We don't need it happening again. Yeah, yeah. We don't need. We don't ever need a season three. We'll just perpetually only, and always be in season two. The, the, there's only so many games out there that have legends in the name. <laughs> We're yeah. running at through them. And I'm bad at Apex Legends, like real bad. So it's not <laughs> going to make any sense for us to switch and talk about Apex Legends. If if Runeterra Absolutely dies, not. some other large AAA company needs to make a card game with the name Legends in it that way. Uh, or at least legend in it. That way, we don't we don't have to change our name or rebrand anything. I don't yeah. want to be going on Fiverr for the rest of my life asking people to make me graphics. Is all I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's uh, you know, it's, it's too much a, work. A lot of extra work. Yeah, it's just too much work. It's just too much work <laughs> for sure. Well, man, have you been playing Runeterra? Well, let's put it this way. I know you've been playing Runeterra. That's right. I told you that I've been yeah. playing Runeterra. Uh huh. This is the uh, I don't know fourth, fifth week in a row where I've had uh, level ten chest before the week starts. Oh my gosh! Yeah, dude, I'm playing a lot. Yeah, uh, especially you know for me, you're hardcore. Um, I feel like it. I feel hardcore. Um, well, weirdly, I I've uh, I've play actually played a little bit of ladder. Of course, I'm playing memes, but well, maybe <laughs> yeah. not memes. Yeah, I'm playing not, off meta. Not I'm playing real off stuff. Meta. Yeah, I'm playing off meta. Uh, and it's been doing really well. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I actually did a, uh, I, I do kind of have to shout out my boy Gibbles and Bits here. But then I also have to throw him under the bus. Okay. Uh, yeah. Let's get him in front of everybody and then shove him in front of a bus so he gets yeah, hit yeah, by yeah, a bus yeah. in front of everybody as well. Yeah. Cause we were actually at Perfect. the, uh, at the escape room working. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things when the two of us worked there for so long that like, even if we're busy, if the two of us are working, like we can handle the rush, you know, uh, just because we've been doing it for a while. Uh, and so what I did was I set up my tablet and started an uh, an arena run, an expedition. OK, OK. Yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, and so I was like, all right, we'll, we'll draft. And then whoever's in the uh, control room 
plays it. Well, you know, plays it and, you know, and then we'll switch off. As fun way to get to through whatever. the night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was actually really, really fun. Uh, and so we we uh, we started off. We drafted a, a really, really good uh, Sejuani list. I mean, it was just overwhelm and like got the Ember Maidens and everything. It's pretty great. Uh, we won our first three games and then ran into uh, to two team Odex in a row and uh and got like nine puff cap procs by like turn six uh and ended up losing our run so it was like okay well that's hey that's trial number one right we still got a couple hours left on the night yeah you can do another one sure we can do another one we start another one and i started it and i look at the the first three and i see uh i see lissandra and i'm like you know what we were doing well with with frail yord I like Lysandra, but I haven't played her that much. So I'm going to pick Lysandra. Give her a try. I pick, okay. I give her a try, right? And I'm thinking I'll, I'll probably get something else great to, uh, to to pull with her. You know, something maybe a little more consistent. Because the options weren't that good. It was like Shen and Lysandra and like maybe one other thing. And I wasn't really jazzed about it. So I picked Lysandra. Next one, Talia. Ooh, baby. Instantly locked it in. And the Gibby says, nope, nope. I am not taking ownership of this one. I'm not part of this. Wait, wait, he didn't want to play Lysandra Talia? He did not want to play Lysandra Talia. He was like, nope, I, I don't believe in it. I said, this isn't me. I, I won't put did, my name on this project. Did you pilot it to seven wins? Seven wins, yeah, baby. Yeah, okay. Seven uh, wins. Yeah. Lysandra Talia in arena. It feels especially good when you win when no one believed in you. That's, that's right. That's when the it feels. only person, the only person who was being paid to be next to me, believing in me, didn't believe in me. <laughs> didn't believe in Talia. G- Gibble, didn't believe in Talia. Gibbles and bits is in the chat. He says, that's not what I said. <laughs> that is what he said. He said, there's no way we're going to get seven wins on this one. He said, this deck sucks. He said, that's way worse than the last one. Well, I tell you what, we went seven wins today too, buddy. We went seven wins. So stream today, <laughs> uh, we went seven wins, but we did like the full like the like the full experience because we went win loss win loss win loss win loss the whole way up to seven wins uh i you know we probably could have fit in like one or two more losses throughout without actually getting eliminated but it was like the back and forth back and forth back and forth um the whole way through and to be honest with you oh we played spiders we played uh we drafted a deck that had no elises in it it had a draven and uh, a kindred. It was a Draven kindred list that was stacked full of spiders, and it had and no least. It had it had four. <laughs> it had four device, decisive maneuvers, which is the five mana Noxus spell, stun an enemy. It's fast, stun an enemy, and then give all your creatures plus two attack. Well, by the end of it, I ended up dropping my Draven for a Callista, and I ended up picking two Elises. I had two Elises, Callista, and a Kindred, and uh, and ended up just like a huge stack of spiders, and there's a new Noxus spider that's out, and I can't remember its name, but it's a four mana, two five. Yeah, the, yeah, I know what you're talking about. When it attacks, it gives all spiders plus one attack, and it's a sticky plus one attack, So and he gets it, so when he attacks, he's a, he's a four mana, Three five, three five, which yeah. will continue to grow, and that is a very good. It's very very difficult to get rid of that card in expedition. If you can get a couple of attacks off with it, it is super oppressive. Um, so that card, we ended up with a couple of those, a couple frenzied skitterers. Like we just had a huge stack of spiders, and then a handful of stuns in the deck, um, mm. and that really pulled it off. We had, uh, I think, 
three copies of the card that, that summons three spiders and gives all of your spiders plus one plus one as well, which was it's a six mana spell. Really fun. Um, so we ended up taking that on stream today to seven wins, which felt pretty good because it's the first time I played spiders. And I'll be honest with you, spiders kind of feel strong. I And I haven't played them on ladder at all. Like I have not been playing mm. constructed very often. I just haven't not had enough time to play Legends of Runeterra when I'm not streaming. Um, and so I've only really been playing expeditions as of late, uh, like the last week or so. And I am, I was impressed by the feel of spiders. I was like, this feels like it could be a good constructed deck. Um, it's very tokeny. It puts out a lot of stuff and has the ability to buff your board like pretty reliably. Yeah. Um, it's pretty good. I think, I think spiders are primed to be good when Freljord is not good. Because uh, between Ice Shard, Avalanche, and now Blighted Ravine, like Freljord yeah, okay. just absolutely annihilates it. It's one of the more popular lists on the ladder, but you're absolutely right. Like the type of uh, pressure that you can really apply with the spiders and considering that you have one of the best card drawing factions in Shadow Isles, there's a lot you can do with it. Some really neat tricks. And I do really like actually the the Shrieking Spinner is the one that you're talking about, that four mana guy. Yeah, that guy's I good. love that that, per that that buff is permanent. That That's a huge thing for spiders because, you know, like the... Uh, um, was it the three mana frenzied skitterer? It's a really, really strong card, but you know the the buff only Not lasts permanent. for the round. Yeah, um, and it only is that one time when you summon it. I love that it, if shrieking spinner sticks around for two, three turns, it's going to create a lot of free stats on your stuff. I, I, it's a, it's a great addition, and I do like that they put it though in, in Noxus to actually force you to go Noxus SI if you want it, um, as yeah. opposed to just stacking another spider in SI and saying now you can farm out to other factions this is one of the situations where i like that a archetype is divided kind between of between two factions between two factions yeah yeah and there's a lot of spiders in noxes that you want at this point so not sure how good it actually is on ladder but it is interesting um but you've been playing another riot game that uh is not lor as of late and uh i think i'm gonna download it tell us about it yeah by as of late i literally mean today yeah okay uh, like this afternoon so yeah, like literally after work, I got back and I was just super tired. So I was just laying on my bed and then I was like looking at articles and I saw an article talking about it. And I was like, wait, what happened? Oh, the mobile version of League of Legends finally released. It came out on the 29th. And oh, I was wow. like, that oh, was, we missed that. It was that literally was like, like a this week, week ago. <laughs> well, no, it was it was literally. Yeah, like literally one a week, week ago. ago. Yeah uh and uh, i was like oh shoot that's really cool uh i had no idea a i just knew they were making it uh, and b you know I, as everybody who's listened for a long time knows i wasn't really a league of legends guy right i was a dota yeah. 2 man all the way i know all those characters heck i actually re-downloaded dota underlords the other day just because i wanted to play an auto battler but i didn't want to have to learn all the league of legends characters oh man <laughs> tft is in such a good place but okay go ahead. it's a it's a great game no I, I i fully acknowledge that tft at this point is way better than dota underlords it's just there's comfort in knowing the characters. yeah that you, you know? know what you're playing sure i get that uh-huh yeah uh but anyways the uh the game, I downloaded it, and actually the article I read was talking about how it may actually be better than League of Legends. Now, that's going to that's gonna rub a lot of people the wrong way, but sure. I think yeah. that they had a great point. And I downloaded it, I checked it out, played the tutorial. The tutorial is pretty good. They give you a choice between five champions to get for free, and then the next couple levels you'll get like four or five more for free. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. 
So you'll get like five or six champs for free, I think, after you do the tutorials, play a couple games. Uh, so I actually got uh, Master Yi for okay. free. Yeah. And I never played this guy before. He looked really stupid. Well, now when he comes to Legends of Runeterra, you'll know who he is. I that's, will, that's right. Cool, if, that's if cool. He does. Well, he's just got this dumb-looking goggle helmet that looks like it comes out of Star Wars. Yeah, but, the, uh, the, go the goggle helmet isn't cool-looking. I'll agree with that. It's not cool-looking. His sword looks cool. I like his sword. Mm -hmm. But his abilities are dope, and it actually reminded me of uh, actually a character that I played a little bit in uh, in Dota 2, Ember Spirit. Actually, it's it's basically cl it's clearly intended to be similar in, in core mechanics. So I already figured out how to play him. I had so much fun. Now, I haven't played PvP yet, but I've played uh, against the difficult AIs a couple times, like the yeah. hard AI. And uh, it was challenging. I haven't lost yet, but it was definitely challenging. But I like that game so much because the longest game I've played was like 21 minutes, 22 minutes. Like That's nice. Yeah, that's rather huge. than like 45 minute long. Oh my God, dude. Back in the day, Dota 2... I've I've played a three hour match before. I that have played a literal horrible. three hour match. The game was bugging out by the end. Like sounds the server horrible. was like, "Why is this still happening?" You should right? surrender a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, literally, sense. the uh, mo more games would go over an hour than would be under. Yeah, like at one no, point in the no, game's no, life, no, not at you. one point in the game's life. It, probably not anymore, um, because they by the time I started, I started playing less Dota. They were making a conscious effort to reduce the time of games. But yeah, like when I in my heyday, most games would be like an hour. Uh, and uh, that's what drew me actually to Heroes of the Storm. I think we've talked about that in the past, right? I, I love MOBAs in concept. Um, and Heroes of the Storm was great because the game's like 20 minutes. And I did love all of the uh, I did love all of the champs. Yeah, the uh, Blizzard from characters. All the Blizzard yeah. characters, Diablo I, and I, Overwatch. I actually really enjoyed Heroes of the Storm. It just didn't have many people to play it with. And then oh, uh, such a shame. when I got a gaming it's, PC it's so back good. again, I didn't pick it back up. I, I think like Arthas was coming out the last time I played, which was, you know, quite a long time ago. So Yeah, it, it, it was it was genuinely a great game. But I got that same kind of vibe from this, right? Where like you know, uh, the, there's the complexity. It's more complex, I think, probably than Heroes of the Storm, right? Because you've still got items, although they they streamline it, especially for newer players, where they just recommend what items you should get, and it's a little thing on the side, which the, and it'll offer you two options, this or this. Click one, move on, right? Quick and easy. Um, right, quick and easy. And, and like, new players, you know, I think that there's a way to go in and manually uh, uh, get specific items and stuff like that but new players want those things to be streamlined that's a big barrier to uh to entry for league of legends uh and, and something like with dota same thing like you know with dota being a such a longer drawn out game it's all about those micro advantages you get by picking the exact right item at the exact right time and so it would be really a bad idea to follow those guides uh, that they would put out there a lot of times yeah. because you'd be like, in this situation and against this character, I need this. In this situation, it's this character, I need this. Now, I don't know if it's the same way uh, in League of Legends in this in Wild Rift, but the games move so much faster and are so much more, I think, team fight oriented uh, that it really comes down to the play a lot more so than which of the two items you picked at the right time, I feel. Obviously, I'm sure eventually there'll be high level, high level, high ranked uh, Wild Rift, but but because it's so much faster, it definitely feels like those things aren't. Quite
quite as important as it is getting back out there and moving across the map with your team. Maybe the skill cap won't be quite so high. That was my problem with League of Legends. There's so much going on with team fighting and uh, last hitting and uh, learning the, you know, 140 different champions abilities and what they could do and who right. I was up against well, and what their combo was and not getting one shot, then not feeding then my team flaming and then everyone getting mad and then me being upset and they're telling me horrible mm, things about my mom. You and then, are describing yeah. uh, MOBAs. In yeah. General. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully the uh, did, like the mobile version of the MOBA genre is a little less toxic because that's really what pulled me out of League of Legends altogether. Well, I don't. I didn't see where anyone could type or voice chat, so that's already an improvement. That uh, is, you can ping stuff though. You can you ping stuff, but... ping and you could feed and like you know grief or whatever. Sure, I'm sure. sure. But, but I, I think overall, it's going to be a lot more enjoyable if for no other reason than hey, the games are significantly faster. That's good because now I'm way less invested in the outcome of this game because I didn't waste an hour. Yeah, well, you know, let's let's hope that's the case. 15 to 20 minutes. It'll be interesting to see what happens once you play some PvP. I'm going to download it and check it out, though. I'm going to I mean, I, you know, I, I got stuck in a super long grinding game against the AI because they had a couple teammates that clearly were not, didn't, didn't know what they were doing from a MOBA perspective. Uh-huh, yeah. Right? And we I was against hard AI, right? And so, uh, fortunately, I was playing a character that could carry. Um, but it, it still took... It felt like the game dragged on way longer. Like all of our last towers were down and all of their last towers were down. It was the classic like end game, like yeah. make sure that you get those kills and don't, you know, you're, you got to at least trade or else you get your, your Nexus pushed in. Right. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this game's going forever. We got to finish this game guys team. Let's, you know, we got to rally. Right. I'm sitting there thinking all this to myself. And then I look at the end game clock, 21 minutes. Oh, okay. So we, I was like, it does. It literally, it literally, the whole game is sped up. Not just for AI, but like you advance through the levels faster. I think the things probably push down the lanes faster. Like I, I don't know exactly what it is that they've done, but it's it's significantly it faster. It's a different game. Oh, okay, I'll have to I'll have to check it out. I'll have to check it out. Well, uh, I played uh, my my you know my time with Runeterra was mostly in expeditions this week. But one thing that we do have to do for the show is thank our patrons over at uh, Patreon.com/slash/LegendsCast. So, uh, yeah, big Very thank you so. to all of our patrons over there at Patreon.com/slash/LegendsCast. I also realized that last week we were supposed to draw. I'm off because we used to record on Wednesdays, right? And so I was mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, like we'll pull one on the 31st but now we record on monday so i missed last week's drawing so this is a drawing for the end of march we wanted to do a drawing every month guys if you are one of our patreon supporters you give us 25 cents an episode a dollar a month um you get put in a drawing um that could uh could indeed uh win you a legends cast pint glass that's the uh that's the winner winner chicken dinner right now is a legends cast pint glass and so uh every it month at pretty. the end of the month it is nice uh dbn so doesn't have one but it is nice um every month at the end of the month we do a drawing for a winner from our patron supporters so uh the winner this month is i i, I drew it earlier so it's not that exciting but it's okay cringe lord okay cringe lord uh hey, is, very nice uh, long time supporter yeah right? long, uh yeah since uh since september of 2020 so yeah, yeah so, that's a that's yeah. pretty 
pretty long oh, time. A while. Yeah, a while. Yeah. Um, you know, we have we've had some supporters who are, you know, back 2019 supporters now because they're Ooh, that's that's when you know. They're absolutely yeah, they're just wild. Uh who still have not won anything, but um uh but yeah, so congratulations, <laughs> okay, cringe lord. Uh go ahead and shoot me name and address and I will uh I'll get uh, I'll get your pine glass out to you uh and send it over to you. Love to get that out to you. Thank you so much for supporting the show. And once again, guys, just a reminder if you support the show, you get access to the mulligan, which is a bi-weekly 20 minute to 40 minute show that uh, dbn and i do where we talk about stuff that isn't the legends of era last week we talked about it a little bit and what we ended up doing was we each picked a couple of ips intellectual properties that if they made a digital card game for we would play it immediately and so we talked yep. about some of what our favorite ips could have so if you want access to those episodes if you want access to the patreon exclusive discord channel um which i think is that even like i never take that away from anybody so people who stop being our patrons like you still get access to it it's like once you are a patron you get you get in forever um you get access Mark's to that super so, nice. yeah i'm just too nice he's just a, a super guy. nice guy. i don't i don't like taking things away from people <laughs> um yeah and also you get put in the drawing every month and we thank you and give you a shout out on the show and all of those things so thank you so much for supporting the show patrons you guys are amazing you make it all happen including our uh including our discord league which we're currently in uh week three, three. or four we're in week four we just started week uh four. well we just ended week three so we're just starting week, three. week four now so i'm two yes. and i'm two and one now with uh playing only mono ah. decks self-imposed limitations cool. only playing mono bilgewater mono si and uh and mono demacia are the only three mm. things that i'm playing those right are, now. Th oh, those are three really good monos yes so it's uh well mono bilgewater is terrible but i really want to win i really am dead at set. least you can run rex yeah but i'm running powder pandemonium three copies so mm. um yeah never mind yeah i'm really dead set on winning but you did that to yourself powder monkeys <laughs> yeah I, I did that to myself i haven't won a game with it yet but i've come really close and uh oh this God. past week i lost my first game with my bilgewater deck and then i ran two back to back with uh mono si um but uh, that is like you know that, that like that's uh, a comfy pair mists, of jeans like yeah mist, it, no it's not risen mist it's just my aggro mist wraith deck um right with uh, risen mists uh, the, oh yes yes with risen mists i was thinking mist call it doesn't have mist call it has risen oh mists, no no no, so. no yeah, yeah, yeah yeah that's like my well-worn pair of jeans that deck that's it's that's true. where i'm most comfortable but we have a brand new deck a flashy pair of pants um that uh, dbn just went to the pants store and uh, got pants. himself a new pair of trousers. This is actually really funny. I know you're just just like BSing right now, but I, I legitimately did go to the store today and get my pair of pants. Oh, look I at that. actually got that pants. actually it's happened. The, it's today. my it's my tailored suit pants. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Uh, not too many people I buy just pants that up today. Not, not too many people buy pants in the work from home era that we live in. You just. Uh, wear shorts and uh tuck and you tuck you tuck your shirt into your underpants that's uh well uh, and sometimes you don't even wear underpants no don't even need know? them don't need them that's right mm -mm. right well i do have to go into work so i do have to wear pants plus yeah. uh, i'm in a wedding this coming weekend so i have to yeah, wear those pants yeah, so i yeah, went, to pants. Pants store, went to the pants store and actually got pants today. well after all of that <laughs> pants conversation let's jump over to our short topic for the day um which is going to be talking about dbn's new pants deck Showtime! 
Okay, DBN, tell us about this new deck that you've got, because that's our short topic. We're doing a dive, and I don't know anything about this. Deck so dive. This is, yeah, this is deck dive, deck dive section. Uh, a deck dive, deck. but but not deep. We're not we're not diving diving deep. No. We're, it's the it's misnomer. Yeah. So okay, this is interesting because uh, right at the beginning of the Serene expansion, obviously everybody's coming up with uh, with cool decks to play and and ways to use Serene. Uh, well, Gibbles and Bits comes to me and he's like, dude, I've got this uh, fun list that I'm really excited about. It's all about Overwhelm. And I was like, you have my interest uh, because Overwhelm is really fun. And usually it has Noxus, which is one of my favorite factions. Um, so he presented to me a Renekton and Darius list. Played, uh, played around with it a little bit. It was not not great. It had p- potential, but, but Renekton just... Hmm. I like Renekton, but you really have to heavily build around him, and there was too much redundancy, and with Shurima and Noxus, you really couldn't protect anything, right? So, uh, we looked at it, and we're like, eh, it's not quite ready, and uh, at the beginning of that, I said, well, you know, uh, this is a really cool concept, but I, I would bet that Sivir would be better than Renekton here, uh, especially with Noxus really liking the five power synergies with oh, reputation. Yes. And uh, Sivir is a little bit easier to protect. You've got that spell shield built in. There's a lot of things that, uh, especially with Freljord coming back into play with uh, a lot of the uh, like the ice shards and blight ravines. Like there's a lot of things that they're doing to try to clear your stuff. Uh, I wonder if we can make this a little more effective, right, with Sivir. And uh, and Gibby said, "Yep, that's dope." Except I don't have any Sivir, so that's why I'm playing Renekton. I said, "Well, I guess we'll revisit this." Uh, and, cut and to like now you have the ability to do so. Yeah, cut to last week, and uh, and we were talking about it, and Gibby's like, "Dude, I tried it with Sivir. It's pretty dope." Here's the list. Uh, so I pulled up this list. I've made some changes to it uh, to my preference, but full, but credit definitely goes to Gibby because we 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 collaborated on this one uh, quite a bit because we were looking at the uh, at the escape room as we are want to do as you've heard already. So here's the thing reputation is super cool and i know that's funny because when reputation got previewed i was not interested in it i i mean i haven't been particularly interested in it yet to be honest like i'm, I'm it still not is with it. super fun okay and it's super fun because you have to play for it it's it's a mini game kind of like fiora right but not dumb <laughs> you uh, okay. know okay yeah you, sure. you, you have to like there are times when you will take bad trades with your five power units to advance reputation, because that is ultimately going to be more impactful than you sticking your five power unit over multiple turns. You'd hmm. rather make sure you get those super cheap uh, whispered words. You'd rather whispered make sure words is, is well worth using it, trying to go after reputation in and of itself. Whispered words is a really strong card. It absolutely is. So, okay, here, here's the thing. Here's the deal. Uh, we realized that one of the coolest cards, I'll be uh, probably a little underutilized, is Black Rose Spy. Black Rose Spy reputation. When I'm summoned, transform me into an exact copy of the strongest ally that struck this round. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. And here's the brilliant part uh, from, from Gibby here. Uh, Apprehend says, stun an enemy. If you have a Darius, rally. The best thing that this deck can do is swing with Darius, strike, regardless of if Darius lives or dies, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
you can then slam a Black Rose Spy, which will become a Darius if they're now under 10 levels. 10 health, and then sure. You can, and then you can apprehend off this Ooh, new Darius. Okay, okay. Rally, swing again. But that's I, just I the love dream. any deck that's using apprehend because I thought that card has been cool from the beginning and have not been able to find a way to use it yet. That is just that's just the dream play. In reality, this deck can have multiple targets between Sivir and Ruin Runner and Darius as great ways to get really cheap uh five power plus units, often with spell shield. Because Black Rose Spy, it just it will take the highest copy version. It'll make an exact copy of that copy of Spell Shield. Now so does this Black Rose Spy. So obviously Sivir, another great target. You swing him the Sivir, it strikes. If you have reputation, you get to play another one. Half the time they don't even defend against Sivir because she's got quick attack. Uh, and and then you, now you have two Sivirs, both with quick attack and both with Spell Shield. So it becomes increasingly difficult to clear them. Same with Ruin Runner. Another unit with spell shield. The more units with spell shield you have, Ruin Runner is a more... really interesting card. That's the big six fort with uh, overwhelming spell shield. Correct? Yeah, mm -hmm. that card's very difficult to deal with. It absolutely is, especially when you're creating two mana copies of it. Yes, that would probably be true. So the way that this uh, this works overall is uh, it's kind of a mid range. It actually it's not kind of it is a mid range list, right? But in the early drop slots, it's really important that you hit one of your two drops. You have the Trifarian Glory Seeker. Yeah, the 5-1 that can't block with Challenger. Every, everybody knows that. But we also have the Trifarian Hopeful in here. Two mana, 3-2. When I'm summoned, grant me plus two attack if you have another Noxus ally. Uh, oh, it's super. It, it is a card that is not very good, but it is important because of how important reputation is. You need to get reputation going as fast as possible so that your Black Rose Spies aren't dead in your hand or aren't a crappy 2-mana 3-2 no effect. Mm. So we run Blade Squires at 1 as a way to potentially trigger the Trifarian Hopeful a little more consistently. They're also great because all of the Blade Fragments give you exactly what you want in this deck. You want plus 2 attack to slap onto something that, uh, let's say, the Trifarian Hopeful didn't proc. Well, if you have a plus two attack shard, now it's a five attack. Now it gets its reputation. If you have overwhelm, there's plenty of units that Sivir included that don't have overwhelm. So obviously self-explanatory helps you push damage. And then finally, quick attack being the absolute strongest one. Everyone wants the quick attack shard. It's the best one. Yeah, Slap it uh, on anything. And your yeah. five attack units get to stick around and block to speed up that reputation. Uh, Bloody Business has been an absolute MVP. We've also got Whirling Deaths in here as multiple ways to clear things in combat. They count as strikes towards advancing a Whispered Words, uh, excuse me, reputation on Whispered Words or on Black Rose Spy. Uh, and then Bakai Sandspinner as well. More ways to give vulnerable. Now, we've refined this list, and I've spent a lot of time working on it. Uh, we started off with like three exhausts. Uh, okay. and, and we've uh, I've actually tuned that down to the point where I only have the single copy of exhaust because uh, you really need attack boosts, which you wouldn't think you need when everything has five plus power. But with deep having a resurgence, you need ways to hit the average deep strength of six or higher. There's a lot of deep units that once you hit deep are seven attack. Uh, and so we've worked in a couple ruthless predators. Uh, as ways, obviously, to pull things that you want to kill, but also to boost that attack power to hit a trade when they're not expecting it. Quicksand has been incredible. Uh, just overall, Quicksand is very, very strong. Removing Lifesteal is important. Against Fiora, removing Barrier is important. Uh, 
and then this deck between Thorn of the Rose and Apprehend, you have a lot of ways to stun problematic units that you need uh, units that you need to attack around. This deck. So right now I'm ten and two with this list. In okay. Wow. Wow. That's ten excellent. and two in ranked with this list. But dang, I'm still making mistakes. This is a very like. Do not underestimate. This is a tough deck to pilot perfectly. There's so many different points of divergence within the list. Uh, you look at it and you think it might be straightforward, but like leveling Sivir and Darius is a lot harder than you think. Uh, and they work kind of differently towards that end. So you're like the ordering and attacking makes a huge difference. The ordering and removing things with like whirling death or bloody business matters because sometimes uh, you might remove something that would kill your thing. But then if your thing doesn't have overwhelm, it won't get the damage and that damage won't contribute to Sivir or potentially it won't stop. It will stop the unit from attacking and procking reputation. There's so many layers here. It is so fun to pilot, but also it definitely tests your skills at LOR and, and kind of forces you to think very, very differently than you would normally think. I can't recommend it enough because at the ver at the bare minimum, even if it doesn't hold up at higher ranks, it is so fun and satisfying to create multiple copies of Darius and Sivir and then rally and swing again. I tend to think that we're, so we're kind of like the the meta crashers here. Uh, the and th this is this is the new meta crashing list, or crushing mm. list, crashing list, whatever. And so uh, we're gonna go ahead and put it in the show notes. And so if you wanna if you wanna play it, uh, DBN's gonna shoot me that list so that uh, I'll do it right now. Yeah. Oh, and I have to tell you all of the the pun names we have for it. Oh, it's got a bunch of pun names. It was it entered it into deck name game. Uh, I don't know if it was not yet. Uh, Gibby Gibby's come up with uh, Gibby's version is called uh, Blue Flower Red Thorns. Uh, oh, okay, in, uh, okay, because it's a black rose spy. Blue Flower Red Thorns, a classic reference to the uh, cinematic masterpiece Shrek. Okay, yes, uh, yes. Meanwhile, I've gone through two names. One was Rose Buddies. I like oh, that. I like, that's a, yeah, that's a fun name. Uh -huh. And more recently, the second version of the deck, which I kind of changed some of the tech options, is Joan Jet and the Black Rose, okay. uh, because you don't give a damn about your reputation. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, that that's the best. That's the best name. That that uh, it's a new one. I I, think uh, I had to come up with a second name for my other version. Uh, it, uh, it, it's it's so fun here. I'll, I'll actually just slap this down in the chat, but I'll also send it over to you. Awesome. I have been i've been launching the app to play this list exclusively not to do like. my quests not to you know mess around or, or try to advance my my masteries or anything like that i've been booting up lor to play this list because it is so satisfying fun to play I've got really big on a kick with it, just like I did with uh, Brom Vlad the other week. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, guys, you know it. You come here, you get the best decks. And so Brom Vlad was really popular right after uh, we talked about it here. Obviously, big trendsetters here on Legends. Cast. Really, everyone listens to Kind of to a us. big deal, you know, I'm just trying to say. Uh, Although I, we, so. I, we did get on top of it before it came meta, became meta. Yeah. We did do that. We like, did. To be fair, it was because there was like a meta spotlight that went up on on Reddit and at the bottom of it, it was like, "Hey, just a heads up, this deck, Brom Vlad's actually really good." Good, yeah. and then uh, we started sort of experimenting with it about the same time that the rest of uh, LOR did, and uh, yeah, mm, it, we it were is, we were earlier. One of one of the we decks gotta, you got to give us credit was, okay, every uh, once in a while. Okay, we were we were pretty early on. I did play we against it on. this week, um, and it is really nasty. In one of my it's matches uh, for the Discord League, um, it can get really other uh, really out of hand. Um, 
Uh, Scar Mother can get really, really out of hand. It's a very strong opener, I think, in competitive environments because it has very few garbage matchups. Like, it has very Mm. few matchups that it just straight auto-loses. It has game against most things. I'm talking about Brom Vlad, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I will say, just to finish off this discussion about uh, the Rose Buddies, a.k.a. Joan Jett and the Black Rose, a.k.a. Blue Flower Red Thorns, uh, it, uh, it really hates Freeze. Well, that like, makes sense. If you run into, if you run into Freeze... Uh, Sejuani, Ash, yeah. Yeah, Ash LeBlanc specifically is pretty hard to, to win against. Sure, because they can um, prevent was... you from getting your reputation. They can take favorable trades. And basically, if you're exactly. not getting at least even trades with a deck like this, you're going to fall behind pretty quickly. Right. And as I discovered today, I'm surprised it hadn't come up yet, but uh, Ice Veil, Archer, and Ash, both of their freezes do uh, go through Spell Shield. Yes. Spell Shield does not deflect those because they technically don't go ever on the stack. Even burst yeah, cards go on the stack temporarily. It's not, it's not a skill or a... Or a spell. Which, for Ash, that makes sense. I don't understand how Ice Veil Archer gets away with that. But Especially okay. because Ice Veil Archer still triggers uh, uh, EZ's level up, Ezreal's level up. Um, yep. If you target something with Ice Veil Archer, it triggers his level up, but it doesn't get blocked by spell, by, uh, spell shield. It is very strange. Yeah, it is there's, strange. There's always inconsistencies with digital games. Um, it's like one of those things that if this was a paper card game and we were sitting around a table playing it, um, we would we would all just assume that Ice Veil Archer pops spell shield right and and it doesn't yeah. and then it won't go off and that's what you but because it's digital the, there was always those issues with hearthstone as well uh where you just had some like inconsistencies and in, like wording or punctuation and if you come from a magic the gathering background especially like where a semicolon or a comma is can completely change the way a card the operates text. absolutely um yeah. and uh in, in in games like this it's just like no like the, the card's gonna end up operating how the <laughs> how the people want how the you know the developer wants it to operate even mm. if the text doesn't make sense and it's not parallel to anywhere else in the game it's going to work <laughs> how they want it to yeah which is probably in the end of the day, it's probably better. Um, but it does leave some confusing moments where, especially if you're a new player, why? I mean, if you were playing Ice Archer, you would, I mean, you would wonder why oh, the I, heck. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely, that, that, uh, that threw me. I knew Ash, I knew Ash would do it because I, I knew that that was like a passive ability that doesn't target. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I did not, I was not aware about the Iceville Archer thing until literally today. And I was like, what yeah, the Yeah, it's heck, like one of dude? the only cards that really goes past. There's probably yeah, other ones. there's like three or four. There's but not it, many. It's, uh, it doesn't show up often enough. But uh, just fair warning, uh, the deck is great. Uh, it handles a lot of things pretty well. It, it has, because of like Whispered Words is so good, you can cycle through the deck and stuff. But uh uh, deep is a little bit of a challenge. If if you run into deep, you really have to be pretty, pretty aggressive about getting a wide, wide board and then using all of the vulnerable triggers to pull away the the problem units by smaller things. Like mm-hmm. you, you basically attack around the bigger problem units, uh, which is really fun to do, honestly. Um, and then if you run into uh, like Ash, just concede. <laughs> just, just, uh, just, just roll on to the next one. I've beaten like I beat Anivia Rekindler with it, and they had like three harsh wins. But I mean, at, at that point, like they 
you know, harsh winds will will pop the spell shield so you can get around it. But if they have ash, it's a really it's an uphill battle for sure. But it's beaten invoke. It's beaten uh, pretty much, you know, aggro. It has pretty good game against you get some big units out. I mean, it's just it, it's beaten pretty much everything else. Nice. So, nice. Cool. Well, it's we fun. will uh, we will concede this segment if that's not the cheesiest and worst transition. I don't know what is and move on to our main segment for this evening. Time for the main event. Okay, guys, our main segment this evening is specifically taking a look at what we could or should have talked about last week, but we couldn't because we record on Mondays now. Um, right. and, uh, and we weren't able to talk about the card changes. Now, most people have had now a week by the time this episode releases. People will have had an entire week to be able to look at card changes. Um, and, uh, but, and, and be able to experiment with them. But we thought we would share a couple of their thoughts. And it's honestly almost just as fresh for me to share these thoughts this week as it would have been last week because I just haven't had much time to mess around. But there were massive adjustments. I would say this might be the biggest set of adjustments that we have seen since like we went into full development like there was one other time i think in in open beta where we had like this massive list of cards that got changed um but there's been very few times that we've had card changes that were a this many and b what i believe to be this impactful um because we've had well, some relatively impactful card changes i didn't that's so funny that's not the impression i got Really, but, but I think, but as you say it, I don't think you're wrong. But like, I guess it was because when I was going through it, I was like, "Yep, knew this would happen. Yep, figure this would happen." Like, oh, that yeah, makes sense. I'm not like, going to say there was a lot of surprises in it, but it we did get a lot of changes. Right, there's a lot of changes. It's just because I think it felt like less because I wasn't surprised yeah, yeah, very yeah. much. Yeah, you know what I mean. I read through them and was like, "Yep, that makes sense. That makes sense." Oh, I didn't see that one coming, but it's not as big of a deal as all these other ones that I kind of figured were coming. Yeah, um, yeah. There was there was one change that uh, didn't come, which I thought maybe we could talk about at first, which is the one that we thought or we we were worried about. Right? Was uh, NASA's yeah. atrocity becoming really powerful if other things? sort of took a back seat and i think that's kind of become the case um and atrocity didn't sort of made it through this without getting hit which i think was that was a bit of a surprise and maybe a slight bit of, maybe that was the only disappointment for me in these set of card changes i, I um, didn't know if you had any thought about that because we had talked pretty thoroughly about the need yeah. for atrocity to be adjusted and we did not get any adjustment no rework no buffing no nerfing nothing to atrocity at all uh, not, that's just surprising to me. I mean, I think it's an identity for that, that region, but I, I, I totally disagree with that. I've heard that argument and I, I 100% disagree that atrocity is part of identity with shadow Isles. Um, you can't, you can't say that identity is a thing, uh, when atrocity was not designed to be throwing 10 plus units because shadow Isles doesn't have high attack units. Right. Mm -hmm. Like with the exception of maybe late with the exception of Ladros and like that was a that was a classic combo. Right. But with the exception of Ladros, like SI is built around kind of the life sucking, life stealing, go wide with units. Now, mistrates can get pretty big, you know, but that, that doesn't mean that oh, atrocity was intended to go with it. Like atrocity is about about like kill your thing, throw it at something else. Right. And I think that the flexibility of atrocity to either hit a unit that was about to kill you or hit the face was designed into the mana cost 
So when you look at it at six mana, six mana does not indicate that you're throwing something 10 plus power at their face, at least not uh, at a decent point in the game, not in an earlier stage of the game. Whereas now, you know, with, with Nasus, I mean, you can do it on turn seven. Yeah. It won't be the best Nasus you could throw at the face, but you can do it. Right. And a pretty big one, usually eight plus power at the minimum. Yeah. Often. Right. Um, so I complain about atrocity because I don't think it's a particularly interesting way to win the game. I also think it's fairly non-interactive and the ways that you would counter it, especially with Nasus, but just in general, uh, the ways that you would counter it tend to be few and far between. And with Nasus having access to a cancel, if you do try to, to kill off the unit or something, get up. oh, and Nasus with spell shield. But since you have access to right of uh, negation, there's the the counterplay is significantly reduced. Uh, so you know, I I, I do think it's going to be a problem. If not right now, then eventually. Sure. And uh, I, I do that. That is on my watch list. I guess I'll say uh, yeah. is maybe how I should put it. Um, I, I was disappointed not to see that, but I, I will also say I'm not surprised. I think uh, for better or for worse, the, the design uh, and balance team, they tend to wait until something is the biggest problem before nerfing it. And I think that that's a fair strategy in that like you want everything to have its time in the sun. I don't love pre-nerfs necessarily. My argument is that uh, Atrocity deserved a pre-nerf because it was already showing promise at uh, higher ranks, as well as the fact that Atrocity has long been a unfun way to lose the game, and and I think that it's time we move on from that. Uh, but that 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 was my that was my main complaint. It's funny, I uh, since since the patch and since we last talked about it, I actually came up with another nerf that I would really really like. And we didn't talk about it last week, but I, I hadn't really processed why. But I definitely now know a balanced adjustment I would love. Uh, but we can talk about that at the end, actually. Okay. Well, let's go through these. Uh, I mean, some of them aren't going to be a surprise, and we've talked about them in the past when we were sort of predicting. So there's not a, a huge dive. We have to go into each one. Um, and most people play with them for a little bit. But the first one is Twisted Fate. Uh, it was a four mana, you know, two, two quick attack. You guys knew what he did before you had to draw eight plus cards to level him up. Now you have to draw nine plus cards, which may not seem like a big deal. Um, but, but it also comes with another card adjustment, um, which was to his pairing card, um, which, uh, was pick a card, which was a three mana. The next turn, draw three additional cards at round start and give them fleeting. Now it is two mana. And at the beginning of a turn, draw two additional cards. So a lot of people were leveling up TF in one turn because they were blue carding. Um, then they were playing pick a card. Then they were drawing a couple of cards and you would be able to level up TF really, really quickly and reliably because of the combination of it being eight. And then also having pick a card, draw you three additional cards. You're literally drawing half his level up value the following turn. Um, and so I think that this has hurt TF to a certain extent. I, I don't know how bad. I like that this maintained a lot of the integrity of TF's sort of core identity, but it got rid of the ability to sort of put him down and level him up within one to two turns with your opponent being able to do very, very little about it. Um, it just wasn't a yeah. very interactive way to play. And I think that hitting both of these cards at the same time adjusting them, tweaking them a little bit instead of gutting TF was a smart thing to do here. 
So I, um, I, I like yeah, it. And you, I, I it can leaves, agree with that. It leaves TF and his unleveled up form the exact same, which is kind of what we wanted. Oh, yeah, that, that's that's definitely what we wanted. I like TF at uh, first level. I think it's really fun and interesting. You know, our issue was what he enables at the highest level or at the leveled up form and how fast you could get there and what, quite frankly, you could do, you could pair with his leveled up form, right? Yeah. Um, and so we've seen, we actually saw literally three cards, three important cards to the TF Fizz deck nerfed and to, or TF Aphelios as well. Yeah. Um, and so we saw we saw three cards to those nerfed, and uh, Twisted Fate being one. Uh, pick a card being the the next one, and and frankly of greater importance than actually Twisted Fate. I think the thing with pick a card now is uh, it actually doesn't net you any cards. So before yeah. you would uh, you would put a card from hand into the deck. You'd of course play the card that is pick a card, and you would next turn get three cards so you would net one card right mm -hmm. but you would dig you would dig into the deck three which is worthwhile to, to filter three cards right uh now you only filter two cards and because you're still shuffling a card you're not netting anything yeah you're not so growing in hand size you're just digging you're just digging and you're not digging as effectively so uh, this is huge. It, it's pretty bad now. I mean, you could argue the reduction of mana cost makes it still okay if you really need to dig and find something. But yeah, I, I, I think this is a huge hit for sure. But the third card that got hit in that deck and the one that, you know, I, I'm glad it got hit. I, I really am. I, I think that there's there's definitely sound logic saying, oh, this didn't need to get nerfed. But I'm just glad it got hit because it, it just I it never I don't think it was ever intended to be what it was which is the wiggly burble fish yep yeah and it was pretty out of control pretty out of control and they just uh they just adjusted that to give it minus one attack correct went from a three one yep uh down to a two one which makes it a lot less lethal actually uh that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty aggressive i mean one less attack is is not insignificant in this scenario no it might seem but, like it's not a lot, but it, it is quite a bit because it, it the, the clock it puts you on is a lot lower now. Like it, you have a lot more time. If you put four, uh, five burble fish up, right? Mm -hmm. Before you were doing 15 damage. Yep. Now you're doing 10. And it's a margin of five. Yep. Right. If you put yeah. five burble fish out, which it would frequently do. Yeah, it could, so, it could do, could do without too much of a problem. Yep. Right. So, I mean, this, this is pretty big. It kind of reduces the power of the OTK. Uh, and requires you as the TF is player to put more damage onto face before you combo out. Kind of puts the onus on you to to whittle them down before comboing with Burble Fish. And now I, I suspect there's just going to be better ways to better ways to combo. Uh, than Burble in, Fish, right? Than Burble yeah, there will be more but, efficient but, ways to end the game than Burble Fish now. But I have to say, I have to say, this is another Bilgewater nerf. Uh, and <laughs> it's I'm, another three Bilgewater nerfs. Yeah, uh, it's just really interesting. I, I, I would love to see some of the discussion within the design team now, looking back at Bilgewater and saying, "What if we learned?" Like the Bilgewater expansion, yeah, because it, it got a lot of nerfs. It's been nerfed. I, I don't know what the most nerfed region is. That would be some, some data that i would love to see so if anyone listening wants to look back at the all the the patch notes and see uh what has the most 
cards that have been nerfed. That would be valuable. That would be really that would be really cool information. If you do that, definitely let us know and, and we'll we'll shout you out on the on the podcast. But uh it definitely feels like Bilgewater's been been the target of a lot of that. Uh and especially their more general archetypes, you know, the the ones that either make it really far like this one, but also like we've seen with um Actually, uh, was it Make It Rain was the biggest one. And I, I still swear up and down that they should revert the Make It Rain change. That yeah, was their we, core we identity. Make It Rain back. Well, I mean, that was their core identity card. The problem is, is that Swain was super strong with Make It Rain, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but I, I would argue that that's not as big of an issue anymore. Um, and so they, they, nerfed, they nerfed Make It Rain to stop Swain from being busted. And I don't think that's really fair. I mean, Make It Rain was their single combat it was their mystic shot you know it was their troll chant like it was their two mana versatile arguably could go in every deck yeah you know? i i completely agree i think that that card could be adjusted back down but that wasn't one of the cards that got adjusted this time well but- and just as we're talking about uh bilgewater uh nerfs we get a couple couple buffs oh we did yeah you're right we did get a we got a couple of buffs we got buffs to a couple of cards actually um but this is looking back at deep and sort of uh resurrecting some of that so we got dredge dredgers uh which was the one mana one one that would toss three it went back to a two one so this was a revert this was a revert um and then uh we also got there was oh we also got another deep card the sea scarab went from a two mana one two to a two mana two three of course that's the new deep card um yep. that i'm not 100 sure i feel that is a shadow isles card though but it, it's important to make note of simply because it is typically played with Bilgewater. and then we got the change to the dreadway which is was that was the one that was no surprise i was actually surprised about dredge dredgers i was not at all surprised about dreadway of course now the stats have gotten knocked down from a four eight to a four six so it's losing two health but it is dropping in cost from nine to eight which basically just eliminates it from the pool of cards that Ladros can pull with the concurrent timelines um, uh, play that allows you to one-turn OTK. So that's gone now. One-turn OTK is gone. They saw it as a problem. Everyone knew it was a problem. Thank goodness it's gone. And although I think they could have been more creative with their changes to the Dreadway, um, I appreciate that they made it cheaper and more playable rather than more expensive and less playable. Well, it's it's now a little bit more comparable to the Leviathan, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, eight mana ship. Uh, it's got a great effect. It always had a great effect. It was a matter of how could you make good use of that effect before it gets and removed. Yeah, before it gets removed. Slash, uh, could you win the game before that happened? Right. So, like before Dreadway came down a nine. Well, Rex comes down earlier, and at the time, Rex was just a better way to end the game. Um, I still think there's better ways to end the game, but I will say Silver Fuse has been experimenting a lot on her channel uh, with ways to kind of dreadway uh, OTK with things because of your ability to get it down a little bit earlier. You can copy it with a couple things. So it's just a, you know, there's a little more you can do with it. Is it going to become top tier? I, I don't think so. But is it going to be a compelling option for off meta and meme players? Absolutely um and it's just going to increase the fun factor so i think that's a good is it the most interesting no we came up with some really great ideas but you know uh there's something to be said for you know we come up with these crazy reworks and they're it's fun to talk about and sure. it's fun to theory craft but at the end of the day we don't truly expect the devs to go through this tons and tons and tons of work they're working on new stuff 
you know absolutely um and so it's not an expectation just more of a fun thought experiment i think this is a a good solid fix because i didn't want them to nerf uh ledros i didn't want them to nerf timelines and i i didn't really want dreadway to be nerfed i wanted dreadway to get moved down and, and they did that this is great yeah, it's a great adjustment, and the little buffs to deep in both the Sea Scarab and the Dredge Dredgers, I also don't have a problem with. I've never really had a big problem with deep decks. I know some people don't like playing against them or like playing them because they're pretty linear. Um, however, uh, I didn't think Dredge Dredgers was awful as a one-mana two-one, and with how ridiculous one-drops are in this game um, right now anyway, it makes sense that the Dredge Dredgers, a one-drop yeah. with two attack, it's perfectly fine let me give you my thoughts on this here. Dreg Dredgers, this is great. It's way more impactful than you can even think. Two well, attack compared to one so attack much is stuff. massive. Yeah, it is massive. So much more. And it's a throwaway card. You don't want it to live. Like, Deep doesn't want Dreg Dredgers to live. They want it to kill something. You yeah, know? you're not going aggressive and, with it. You're trading with it. No, and before, it barely ever did anything before. Uh, at a wood wood yeah chump block one time that was it never traded into anything never really so this this really does help their early game I, I, on the flip side i'm not super happy with the sea scarab buff i really? had been seeing uh sea scarab experimented with and the potential for it to go ahead and uh and sit on the back row and allow other things to die i felt was already decent enough unfortunately now with its defense being moved to three so it's a two mana two three so um with a slightly ability. above the average stat distribution it has extra trading capability so it, it massively increases the early game and it sticks around for an average of one turn longer this thing is heavily accelerating deeps uh uh dive oh yeah like, their game plan goes much faster when this hits the board and unfortunately, this has been benefiting not so much the Nautilus and the uh, sea monsters as much as it's been benefiting Maokai. Oh. And I've been seeing a lot of Maokai lists floating around, and I have been Maokai'd on turns five and six several times. Because of this card. Me, because of this card. If, especially if they get two. If well, you can get yeah. two Sea Scarabs it out would, at once. It would go really fast. You can do some crazy things with Shadow Isles uh, and and just churn through units just like they do with things like Nasus or with things like uh, They Who Endure, right? But in this case, you destroy their entire deck uh, and leave them championless. Yeah. That, I, I, I mean, I'm on the record when we played, uh, when we covered Tesla, man. I, I don't like deck destruction. I really don't. Well, I'm on record back when they first released Maokai, um, and I said, I don't like this, and this is going to be a problem one day. I mean, I, I said it very early on. Like, I don't like this, and this will be a problem. When we first looked at Maokai back, yeah. oh, you know, what, a year ago when they released it? And, I, and, and then I was wrong about it when it first came out. It, like... That wasn't the way that Deep typically ended games. But I did always know in the back of my head, if it gets to the point where this is the way that Deep typically ends games, that yeah. this that this it, it will be a problem because it is a very unfun way to lose. It's super unfun. It it it, it completely ignores the board state. And if you can do it fast enough, it it feels like there's nothing you can do about it, you know. Um so I, I, I'm not saying it's that uh it's broken or anything but i don't think they needed this i liked that sea scarab was a hey it's a back row engine 
uh, as opposed to now it's actually slowing down your attacking. And, and I don't think that that's what it should do. Uh, I, I don't think that's the role this card should serve. It, it Having deep already makes it so that once you hit it, it's not a completely dead card. So I just would have liked to have seen its initial stats stick where it is. I think the drag dredgers would have been enough to help deep uh, spe- specifically sea monsters out of a little bit of a hole. Yeah, sure up the um, early game. And I've argued for a while that I, I don't think deep was as bad as everyone said it was. I think deep just wasn't being played because it wasn't new. Yeah, it was boring. Know? Yeah, it was boring. Well, I, boring versus it's it's there's nothing. There's it, the deck builds itself. It's like TK Soraka. How many TK Sorakas have you been around? No, like, you haven't not seen it forever. Yeah. Right. It was really hot when it came out because everybody knew how to build it. And then after a while, it was like, well, this is good. It's not bad. But we've seen everything we can see with it. And there's no more tech. Oh, God bless you. uh, Or experimentation left to do. And that's kind of how deep was. There really wasn't experimentation left to do. Um, And you couldn't bring other other factions into it like I was hoping with uh, with. slaughter docks and in fact maybe that's why i wish sea scarab would have been a bilgewater card so now you can say hey i've got sea scarab i probably don't need a dead bloom wanderer right if i have sea scarab slaughter docks and uh drag dredgers that's probably enough maybe i jump into another faction and see what i can do with these sea monsters you know so uh, just a, just a critique I, i'm not upset about it or anything i mean i don't like losing a maokai but it's only time will tell if it truly becomes an issue but don't don't be surprised if you start seeing a lot more deep out there on the on the ladder. I've already seen a lot more of it than I've seen. I've seen it like three or four times uh, in the last week compared to three or four times in the last three or four months. Mm-hmm. So it's out there in force. Just yeah. just to be aware, guys. Yeah. Well, let's talk about something that Dread Dredgers does now uh, trade into, and that is Fiora. Because um, Fiora was a three-mana 3-3. Three, sure. three. Of course, we're well aware of what Fiora did. We had talked about reworks for her that were a lot more elaborate than, of course, what ended up happening. But Fiora lost to health, so she's a three-mana 3-2. Three, now, I have not run into Shen Fiora on ladders since this happened, and that may be evidence enough to say that this hurt it but i but it also could be that i just haven't run into it and it hasn't really hurt it i mean in my experience you have a lot of ways to protect fiora that prevent her from taking any damage that being said there are some spells that clear her a lot easier noxus uh has um death's hand yeah death's hand uh you have arcane shot um amongst a handful of other you know relatively oh, inexpensive uh, mystic shot mystic shot yeah Myst- i always call it arcane, arcane shots shot. hearthstone yeah i always call it arcane shot it's mystic shot um you, you often you have a lot of other you know uh things that can sort of ping away it has a harder time trading into things whereas before you could trade into you know a one or a two attack minion on turn three and be able to keep her up and then protect her with barriers and things in the future it's a lot harder to do that now um and uh, and i think that is you know interesting um i i actually think that this hurt shen fiora quite a bit i think that this one little tick down in like the way they typically want to win the game um, or at least draw all of your removal to win win the game with something else, right? I, I think that this does hurt them a good bit. Now, once again, I haven't run into it, so maybe I'm completely wrong. But, uh, I mean, DBN, did you have kind of like any experience going up against it or anything like that? Well, so I haven't seen it either. Okay. So maybe but, that's evidence but, that it's just less popular right now. I don't know if it's that. 
uh, people that played Fiora Shin probably ranked up really fast. That could be too, and probably aren't being aren't playing it in uh, the lower uh, brackets, the lower tiers. Um, I mean, you know, plus if you get to a certain point, this hurts it in against like two factions. It hurts it a lot yeah. against PNZ. Uh-huh, but then uh-huh. again, PNZ, if they were worried about Fiora, they already could have run Get Excited or Gotcha or Aftershock. Like they already had three damage kills. And clearly that wasn't that impactful, right? Yeah. Like clearly, you know, um, Fiora Shen still dominated. And PNZ, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, it's in a bit of a rut. Like yeah, PNZ has not been. I, I, it's a combination of that and the fact that it hasn't got its champion right. It, because it hasn't got its champion, there's less experimentation with it. I think. I mean, well. but Victor was just a huge dud. Like, well, yeah, we didn't. Okay, so it hasn't had two champions. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I mean, that that's legit. So like, Fiora Shen already took advantage of the lack of PNZ in the environment, right? But here, here's the other thing too. Uh, you're right. Defense only matters when you're not throwing spells on it, right? So we still saw Fiora lists that were playing standalone, Mm -hmm. right? Especially lists that were not Shen. Yeah, mono. Fiora is still good, is is what I'm getting at here. Fiora is still good. It's still playable. And more than anything, it's still extremely polarizing. There's nothing about this nerf that stops Fiora from wrecking any type of go wide aggro. Like go wide aggro, yeah, especially is still if you're holding protection. Uh-huh. It's no, it, it even it doesn't matter. Uh, go wide aggro is still an auto loss to Fiora because of her ability to uh, kill things and advance her alternate win con on defense. Mm. You you don't have to play another unit. You just play Fiora, continually buff and uh, support her, throw her in front of uh, the, the smallest thing every time you want to block, put barrier on it. You're dropping, you know, especially, I think the build that will probably be a little bit better than Shin is probably the Frail Yord, like mostly mono Fiora is going to be maybe a little stronger now. Shen Fiora is still probably good. Um, but the bottom line is, there's going to be a cooling period while people look at Fiora and say, oh, she's nerfed. And then in about a, two or three weeks, I predict Fiora will be back to being a problem. Hmm. Hmm. That's just a prediction. Yeah, I might we'll be wrong. See. We'll see. And I hope I'm wrong because I, I hate Fiora. <laughs> it's just not fun. Uh, especially, you know, it, it just, it pushes out a lot of really interesting decks that now say, well, I I can't win, and I and I I was explaining this actually my thoughts on on counterplay right like I don't like specific counterplay as much as I love like adaptive counterplay like I like the idea that I don't mind something being disfavored but I always want that deck to be able to uh take a different tack if it wants to try to win you know I I remember the best example when I played Elder Scrolls Legends. Um, the, uh, I, I remember the first time I hit masters actually, or uh, legends legend. It was called it was mm-hmm. masters, but the first time I hit legend, uh, on stream, at least, 
uh, I had been playing this pretty tough, pretty hard control uh, archer deck with factotums. I don't know if you if you remember the factotums. Mm-hmm. It was control. I mean, it was it was really all control. It used lethal. It spammed things, and then it would run uh, that that uh, journey to Sovngarde to shuffle everything back in and buff it. It just it was attrition. It was, really was truly an attrition control deck. Problem was there was a matchup that like I I almost couldn't win, right? Um, and I knew if I tried to play control, it would always out control me, always. And I remember being on the game to hit legend running into that and just just wanting to punt something because I knew how disfavored I was. But the difference there was there's a chance I get it, but I have to adjust my play. I have to shift my factotums from building themselves towards like the lethal and guard towards, you know, building attack on them and overwhelm. Mm-hmm. Right. And it wasn't as efficient. The cards I had surrounding it wasn't a, weren't as efficient working that way. But I was a, actually able to, through really smart play and adapting, I was able to sort of smork them down and 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 whittle them whittle their health down and push them out before their even longer win condition could be established. So that is what I look for in counterplay. And that's what I never see. With Fiora, it's either you have the answer or you don't have the answer. It doesn't matter really how you adapt your overall strategy. It matters if you have the exact card at the exact time. And sometimes that's not even enough. So I'm not super thrilled with this Fiora nerf. And I don't think it will have lasting impact uh, on her uh, on her play. She'll come back. Yeah, it's not She'll too often. It, it's not too often that Fiora loses one or two health, right? It. it usually fewer wins at full health because you just protected her the yep. whole time yep, yep, yep. um so yeah so a, a, a minus to her health isn't it's almost like when lee sin like they buffed him but they lowered his health like they dropped him in mana but also lowered his health and it was like this doesn't matter he has barrier his health he gives barrier yeah his like, health is almost irrelevant um because yeah. he's always absorbing all of the damage because he gets it so reliably so the next set of cards that got uh, a really a heavy adjustment that we knew were coming was of course our entire affilios package so that includes veiled temple all of his weapons and then also uh, gifts from beyond. So I thought this was interesting what they did here. So all of the weapons tr- went from two mana to three mana. Gifts from beyond went from a, a two mana burst, add a weapon to your hand to a one mana burst weapon to your hand. So they're like, hey, we don't, we wanted the weapons to be worse. We want affilios to be worse, but we don't want gifts from beyond to be worse. So gifts from beyond is the same mana total as you would have before. Um, you know, it might be, it, it could be a little better, or a little worse, depending on the scenario, right? And then the Veiled yep. Temple, instead of giving a plus one, plus one and refunding two mana, is now going to refund two mana and give a plus one, plus zero, which is huge. I mean, one of the main reasons that Veiled Temple was so incredible was because of the bonus to health that you got. Um, that bonus yeah. to health was an enormous boon um, for protecting your affiliates and making him a constant engine that no one could ever get rid of. And then even we saw it to the point where, like, you know, people would use atrocity. Now, atrocity still will work with this because it's boosting its attack, but it's so much easier to get rid of something that its health isn't constantly going up every single turn um, with the free cards. I yeah. mean, the Veiled Temple with affiliates was so strong. Philios gets way weaker with all of his cards being three mana. I mean, way weaker. Um, I feel, well, I, I don't even want to say, I think like I'm very confident that he is so much weaker. I played enough Philios to know that 
it is very often that your mana is tight, but it's perfect when it was at two yeah. mana. And it's not going to be now. I don't know that this nerfs Aphilios into the ground because he's like, he's a TF style card where he's so versatile. He can do so much, even his level one form, that I think that he's going to stick around just because he's that strong. Um, but he is way less of an engine to powerhouse now than what he was before. Three mana on all of his spells is, is huge. Is huge. Yeah. Uh, I'm just happy that I 100% called the nerf. Yeah, you you said exactly yeah. this, actually. I think we, we both didn't even think about Gifts from Beyond. But I like what they did no, but I, I, I appreciate right that. I'm with it. I mean, I don't know. It's uh, Gifts. Eh. I think we might see Gifts start being played in without Aphelios. Uh, um, yeah, that could be. It might happen. Uh, the the thing with and may, arguably it already should have happened. Um, being able to look at all of the moon weapons, pick one that and you pick want, the exact one you want, especially when you have one as strong as Gravitum and Severum. Mm. Like, dude, Gravitum is is so annoying. It's a really good card. It's extremely strong, and it's it's just I mean it. Yeah, not 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 a fan of of Gravitum overall, but I, I mean, at least we won't get them looped as much, and that's what this nerf does. It stops you from infinite looping with Veil Temple or pseudo infinite looping. Um, the interesting thing is that uh, I do think I think you're right. Like I think Aphelios is still playable. It's just not as oppressive, and that's good. I mean, ideally, we want that to be the case where something is strong, but not completely oppressive, but, yeah. But not completely oppressive. and doesn't completely take over the game. Uh, I I actually think it's interesting. Since Sharima was released, I've begun absolutely hating Targon. Really? So Targon was the new shiny thing, right? Like, yeah. I didn't want to hate it because it was the new stuff. But... With Sharima coming out and myself absolutely falling in love with the Sharima identity, with the how important the board is to Sharima, I've realized how much I loathe a lot of the core themes in Targon. Targon. Yeah. And and the biggest thing is like this. I think it comes down to two things i I think it lost a lot of it comes down to like their infinite flexibility is very vexing as a player who and it's empowering on one side if you're a skilled player it's very empowering but on the other side if you want to play anything else there's no other faction that even comes close to what invoke can do in terms of raw flexibility oh oh, yeah invoke crazy strong yeah very very and i mean aphelio and now that now with aphelios on top of that you have two you know entirely different engines which sometimes can go together which can just pull crap out of their hat uh and and the biggest culprit to this actually is crescent strike i swear if crescent strike could get moved to four mana um off of the invoke that would be so nice because there's now even more things that invoke three mana or lower only. Crescent Strike Crescent is on two things, right? Yeah, it, it is absolutely devastating that people can just play like the fangs. Yep, to be pull, able to get Crescent Strike. Pull a Crescent Strike, you know. Yeah, it, it's uh, 
and, and more than the the flexibility of it, it's that combined with the fact that every game against Targon takes twice as long. I mean, it's not an exaggeration. Like, I'm not exaggerating. Every game against a Targon deck, uh, especially, I mean, at least the ones like Aphelios or anything with Invoke, yeah, really take insult. twice as long. And it's not, it's not the pace of the game, like, oh, this deck is a control deck. It's they're constantly playing cards that increase the amount of choices that they have to make. Mm-hmm. And so, like, oh, look at these three cards. Okay, you sit there and wait. You sit there and wait. They pick their card. Okay, great. I get to do something. I play the card that I knew I was going to play. And then they do another invoke. Pull up three cards. You sit there and wait. You sit there and wait. You sit there and wait. And because there's no overarching turn timer that pulls it all together, right? Like, like that was the thing that always in, in Tessel and Hearthstone like stopped those decks from doing crazy like uh, APM shenanigans was you had an overall turn timer. Mm-hmm. You couldn't infinitely loop things because eventually the timer would would come down now obviously i'm not saying that there's an infinite loop but i'm saying like it really forces that opponent who's not doing that to sit there and wait while you screw around juggling cards all game i mean i played an absolutely grueling uh match today where i won the whole thing and at the end of it i was just tired (laughs) it's just you know what guys after that game at loire i just need a nap I'm just going to lay down yeah, because I mean, it, it took it. I mean, it went it only went like, I don't know, 10, 11 turns. Right. Which in the grand scheme of things isn't that long. But I mean, it took like 35, 40 minutes. Yeah. And I'm sitting there knowing exactly what I'm going to do because I'm playing a more linear, you know, play style. And I'm I'm not begrudging my opponent for taking the most advantage, but I'm simply saying there's a there's a a balancing act between making you know giving choice and making things and and too much choice and analysis paralysis you know and people are using their most of their turn of their action timer making a decision only to go and use most of their action timer on another decision it's uh the decision trees are so branching and so so many of them that it can just become really tiring (laughs) i'll say for the for the opponent so um i don't know i'm glad aphelios is nerfed i hope we see less of him i think we'll still see him yeah i think aphelios uh, will still see play um but i mean just once again just the raw versatility of aphelios um is going to continue to make him playable um and uh yeah and i don't know i I, i'm not going to get there's probably a, a discussion we should get into at a much later time about the the overall versatility of one region to the next because Targon has the most. But I, at this point, like, I'm glad to see these changes to Aphelios. I'm glad to see the changes to Veiled Temple. Um, I am happy with all of that stuff across the board. It was another uh, set of nerfs that I didn't hate and I thought was a good thing. Uh, I thought I thought it was a good things. Listen, yeah, there's yeah, it's good. I mean, obviously, you guys have been playing most of these things. Um, we need to begin wrapping up the show. There are uh, a handful of other cards. There's a couple of champions that got buffed. There's a couple of other cards that did see adjustments, but those were kind of like the big boys. Those were the um, well, those were the those were the ones that were most uh, well. No, I, I can't even say that. I, I do think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about um, Demacia. E, like the entire region or something specific no no the the two demacia cards the the champs that got buffed oh yeah so yeah so we saw uh buffs to both shivana and to jarvin shivana interestingly enough loses one attack however she gets fury as well which 
is significant specifically because of Dragon Snack, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And then J4 goes up in attack. He goes from a 6-4. He's now a 7-5, um, which I thought Jarvan was strong before. You I mean 5-3 to 6-4? Uh, uh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. Five, at three, level three, one, six, hey, you're right. Yeah. That, that was level two. Six, four, seven, five. I was looking at the level two version of, of him. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and that is a huge, that is a huge adjustment. Um, three to four health is a, is a big jump. And yep. I honestly thought Shivana was bad enough that she could have been a four man, a four, four with fury. Um, mm, yeah, maybe, maybe that's too powerful, <laughs> but I was like, well, oh, then, let's she's see, so then... bad. Push her a little bit, push her for me. I would be okay with that. I don't think there's a, I don't think pushing dragons is a, is a bad thing. No, uh, I don't, but this is a step in the right direction. I, I frankly give it another two or three patches. We may in fact see Shivana go to a four, four with fury. <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 might, happen, might, it might might not have been pushed quite far enough. But the the biggest thing with Jarvan, I I want to I really want to point out is uh, he cannot be brittle steeled anymore. Oh, that is huge. It, it's I mean it is massive because the the barrier thing is the entire point of Jarvan is he comes in and just instantly duels a uh, the strongest enemy and 90% of the time survives, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least at the bare minimum forces your opponent to waste uh, uh, a card from hand to pop the barrier, right? But with Freljord being so strong, and quite frankly with the Blanc Ash being still a very, very popular deck on ladder, a single one-mana burst spell completely ruins your big, fancy, high-end play. Uh, it's it, it's a demoralizing thing that I've done to my opponents a couple times. Uh, and you cannot brittle steel Jarvan now. A one-mana trick can no longer stop the uh, the Prince of Demacia. So that's good. That's a good thing. Very that's weak a really good thing. The thing is about Jarvan is he hated getting cold. That's his that's that, his that's his lore. No, no, that's is, not true. Is that actually true? No, that's I, not true. I wouldn't have known. You could have I could have tricked me. you. Like they kept him at yeah. three health uh DBN because he hates getting cold. He never would oh. go to war in Freljord. So uh fair enough. Then fair all of his time in, in uh Sharima. So uh can I also say, like, uh didn't we talk about Ionia last time and we talked about Lulu? Uh, and my argument was don't don't buff Lulu. Don't, and then they did. <laughs> uh, and then they did. I haven't seen any any bonkers Lulu decks yet. Um, give it some time. Jumping up to three attack is pretty darn relevant. Yeah, three mana three it's three is much so better much than easier. Three mana two three. Because because if you're a three mana three three, you have average stat distributions. But if you're growing a two one to a four four when you attack, as just a raw aggro deck doesn't really matter if your Lulu dies afterwards. If, if she doesn't, great. But if she does, no big deal. You got great value out of her, and she probably killed the thing that blocked her. At two attack, there was enough things out there that she wouldn't kill when she when they blocked her. Uh, and so eventually they're able to reclaim the board position there. If you're growing a 2-1 or a 2-2 up to a 4-4, you're pushing damage, they're losing board state, and at, at the best... With Lulu as a three attack, you're ho- you're much more often killing the thing that blocks her, and they feel they have to block her. It's just, I, I think this is a thing. I think there's a Lulu deck in here uh, that's going to be much better. I don't know if this needed to get buffed. It'll be interesting to see what happens. 
Yeah, a lot of people, you know, obviously Lulu has not been real popular and has never been very strong. And I think we said last episode, it'd be better to see the cards around Lulu get the uh, get the buff rather than to see Lulu necessarily get the buff. Um, it's mm, still yeah. that awkward time when a lot of the cards that you want to get on the board to support, use Lulu to support, like they also want to do the supporting. There's this weird where you, you can't really curve out like Flower Child or whatever is really the only card that you want to put your support on too I, I still think that there is some stuff around it but if the stuff around it to get stronger now with the 3-3 Lulu like what I'm saying is I don't know that 3-3 Lulu really makes any difference because the stuff around it didn't get better but if the stuff around it gets better the fact that Lulu's 3-3 might make might be a problem right my argument is I might we might see Lulu get farmed out into a PNZ or Noxus aggro and really make an impact there maybe not even those but you know something that can go wide i mean pnz can already drop one one ones onto the ground super easy just uh -huh. by by discarding right or or really even imagine imagine having lulu buff a flame chomper you know um that yeah, might that be something be... worth experimenting with but my point is the stronger you make lulu the more appealing it's going to be to farm out to a different aggressive strategy in another list that is almost there mm -hmm. yeah so yeah the, the hard part is you're diving into ionia and so much of the rest of ionia is still bad um well we talked <laughs> last week well that you know i mean you're, you're not wrong but we talked last week also about how there's you know there's still some pieces of elusive that uh that exist there's also uh some pieces of um uh like a board like wide board buffing mm -hmm. right like uh mask uh not mask one well, that's the wrong one keeper of keeper of masks i think that's it two two man two three buff everything by one you know uh you've got some of that stuff out there so i uh, we do have a couple people chat saying lulu shen's been doing well um that's pretty cool yeah uh haven't seen that yet haven't run into it yet but that would be interesting the, the just the point being let's keep an eye we'll keep an eye on lulu and uh i don't if if i'm wrong i'm wrong no biggie you know but uh i did say last week hey i don't think lulu needs a buff and i just think it's so funny that sure enough lulu gets a buff yeah uh we hit a lot of the we hit a lot of the, the what they were actually going to do pretty, and you hit shadow off. assassin yeah, yeah, we flopped, but we flopped shadows as in two one instead of a one two. Now, um, I think I said it could just be unnerfed and just be a two two again, three mana two two. Uh, but they they did go back and readdress shadow assassin, which I'm happy about because I it still doesn't make me really want to play Ionia at all. But um, I am happy that shadow assassin's back. I, I just thought that was a really I always liked shadow assassin, right. and I was disappointed whenever they nerfed it. So I did see it get played the other day though in a uh, in a Lee Sin list. It's, Ooh. so. It would, are, it would be good in Lee Sin. There would be some yeah. cards that you could potentially slot out to get more card draw in certain situations. Uh, Lee Sin, it, it would be a, it could be a, a swap for uh, Eye of the Dragon in a meta when you don't need the health gain, but you need the mm -hmm. card draw. Um, yeah, that's a good point. And, uh, and now it will trade up a little bit easier, so it makes even more sense, and it can ping away at your opponent. It's just like it progresses your strategy a little bit faster and puts a little bit more aggression on the board in many ways without having to play the double spells. So I think, I think it would find a place in Lee Sin um, well, now, now that with, its attack is swapped. That makes sense. And, and, and not that it's really uh, – not that it, you couldn't do this already, 
but uh, also with with Zoe being popular and mm-hmm. also probably being a little bit even more popular with the adjustments to Ophelios, um, you know, being slightly less appealing. Yeah, now, yeah a lot yeah. of people play those two together. But uh, I, I think with Zoe being more popular and 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 pretty darn strong, having a cheap elusive body that cycles itself as just a a, a blocker. Or even just the prohibitive, like don't swing with your Zoe because my shadow assassin will kill it. It's uh, it makes a difference. Yeah. So I, I think that uh, I think this is a good, a good adjustment. And uh, you you called it. You said, hey, shadow assassin, it's probably time that it gets a, a little buff back. And, yeah. And so that that was a good call. Yeah, I, I think it's a good buff for it. Well, why don't we wrap up and uh, and work our way out of here? Uh, we'll close this segment and jump on over to closing thoughts. And I thought I was already perfect. Okay, so my closing thoughts, uh, well, the closing thought segment is always, if you're going to listen to an hour or so of us talk about LOR, hopefully we add something to your life that's better than just Legends of Runeterra. Hopefully you learn to live better as well. And so we try to offer some closing thoughts. Today, my closing thought revolves around the concept of, of sort of receiving and embracing critique. Um, cause this is something that I'm evidently not real good at. And I didn't know that I always thought that I was good at receiving critiques, but I recently had to do like this 360 degree survey where you basically ask a group of people to go on and anonymously rate you in a whole bunch of areas. And then it sends you the results. And one of the areas that I was not good in was receiving criticism, which I immediately was like, I'm really good at receiving criticism. What the heck is wrong? And then I was like, <laughs> oh, maybe I'm not so good at receiving criticism. Um, and so I've been trying to learn to sort of grow in that because I know that like ultimately like the ability to receive criticism well um, and even when it's unwarranted criticism, there's oftentimes a grain of truth. Even if like the the large 95% of it is total garbage, there's often like a small percentage of it in there that's like that's helpful and i remember when i was younger that like i received criticism better and i adjusted to it a lot faster because i was more in a place where i like i was more open to learning and i was less prideful and as you grow older and you grow more experienced in whatever it is that you do you can tend to get a chip on your shoulder and then you sort of learn to resent criticism rather than embracing criticism which makes it more difficult to grow and develop as an individual um and see your blind spots and and i was just sort of reflecting on that today because i got some very helpful criticism from a friend today um about some of the services and things that we're doing with lux right now and um it, it actually will probably make us way better in the long run. Um, but it was like, I was having a really good day, received some of that criticism. And, and sometimes you can sort of get into like a woe is me state and been like, Ooh, well, God, I suck or whatever have you. And you have to resist that in order to draw from it. What the person's trying to say, understand their heart and their intent. Um, and then to grow from it. And so I don't know, it's, it's another part of that sort of like inward mental battle that I've been working my way through. And I'm actually going to talk about it in our closing thought next week. And we're talking about it Lux this week, um, overcoming lies uh, that you tell yourself. And um, I, 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 I don't know, it was just something that I, I've been reflecting on because it was like, I'm working on it. Then I received some criticism, like literally today, just a couple of hours before we started recording. And I was like, this is a great opportunity for me to practice um, like receiving this well, embracing it, examining it, and then applying it. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. That was just it was just something that I was pondering, pondering. Sometimes closing yeah. thoughts are just ponderings. 
I mean, I think that there's, uh, you know, there's different stages to it. I mean, obviously the response to criticism, like your initial response needs to be measured and tempered. I mean, as with anything, I think that it's really important for people in general, regardless of your, you know, occupation or, you know, uh, you know, religious or any sort of affiliation. I think it's really important that when faced with, you know, like a contesting opinion that you respond thoughtfully mm. calmly right it's really hard to do that that's a thing all in itself and criticism is a, is a it's contesting your evaluation of yourself and your skills and your uh the products that you make you know and and what you do right that's criticism it's contesting your very idea of worth mm-hmm. right and just like with anything, whether it's contesting your your ideas about yourself or your ideas about other things, you know, it's super, super hard to not take that personally, right? But the second tier of things, and, and you can work on that as, as, as much as is needed, and that comes with kind of that steadiness of, uh, of thought and the being, you know, being able to say, okay, you know, this is coming from an outside source. But the second thing is evaluating it. I think that there is definitely something to be said about like, just because you receive criticism doesn't mean you have to accept it, but it does mean you should listen to it and evaluate yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's helpful. It's a really important thing. And, and I think that it it comes from the fact of it's it's like that next step. Like before you can do that, you have to be used to being honest with yourself. You have to be used to being self and analytical and to look at yourself and say, man, this is something I do or don't do very well. Or this is something I do or don't believe in, or, okay, this is something that is important to me or isn't important to me. Because if you don't have that honest self-critique, you won't be able to accurately evaluate the critique from outside. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. if you have that and you receive criticism, I think it's perfectly valid to say, Hey, I received this criticism. I hear it. Thank you for the feedback take it away from the situation or reflect on it. And if at the end of that reflection, you don't agree with it, yeah, you don't okay. have to let it. Yeah, you're good. You don't have to let it dwell on you. And that that's really important too, because I've received, a, I've received feedback and crit, you know, criticism that has been really important into shaping me into who I am. There's also been plenty of criticism and feedback that does not come from a, honest place of trying to help you and it's really important to have the calm of mind uh but also the strength of you know will and and the knowledge that hey i i know who i am and i know what my goals are that you can say this does not apply or this isn't coming from you know a place of my best intentions and so that's a whole nother step is evaluating that yeah um and but it's an important one yeah well, hey, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. If you want to check out DBN, I'll just do it for him. Go and check out his YouTube, uh, and uh, you'll find old videos there. Um, if you want to come and check me out, you can do so. by. Uh, but also, join our Discord. Also, join our Discord. That's really DBN's plug is always Discord. Um, come that's and right. join our Discord. And uh, if you'd like to, uh, you know, shoot shoot us a message. We'd love to hang out. And, uh, mm-hmm. in fact, today we were, uh, we were just talking with some guys from the community uh, just an hour or two ago. Uh, and evaluating a deck and dbn shot back a new list for it um 
that's right like literally just uh just like an hour hour and a half ago um and uh and then uh if you want to check out what i'm doing come and visit me at twitch.tv slash the lift monday wednesday friday 8 a.m to 11 a.m est stream uh just chatting in legends of runeterra or come and check out lux digital church a church that i pastor online it is on wednesday nights at 8 30 p.m est at twitch.tv slash lux digital church would love to have you come and hang out with us there that is going to do it for this episode of Legends Cast. We appreciate you listening and be sure to come back again next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com/legendscast.